Hello, I'm Jason Solomons and welcome back to Seen Any Good Films Lately, the podcast with the special guests talking about their latest work and the films they watch and love. This is very highbrow, but I'm going to say Dirty Dancing. I think there was one girl of my generation that didn't want to be Jennifer Grey. Got a lovely lineup for you today with playwright and actress Alexis Zegerman, whose latest play, The Fever Syndrome, is on at the Hampstead Theatre, starring Robert Lindsay as a gruff New York scientist who can't control his own family. We talk plays, screen musicals, and 80s movies. And there's a special guest appearance from Joe Cole, currently in cinemas with startling US indie One of These Days, and on the telly in The Ipcris File. It's not a Michael Caine impression, I'll have you know. Neither was that. So we'll talk to Joe and Alexis after I tell you if I've seen any good films lately. I have, because out this week is Prayers for the Stolen, which was Mexico's entry for the Oscars this year, and it didn't make the final nominees in that category because, you know, there's like 100 entries, one from each country, and only five make it. So, of course... Most of them, being the best films from their particular country, are better than the American and English language movies in the best picture categories. But, you know, that's a different matter. And Prayers for the Stolen is no exception, particularly in the first half of the film where it's utterly brilliant. No se muevan. So we're in a misty mountain village called Guerrero where young girls are hastily having their hair cut to make them look like boys so they don't get stolen by the cartels for, well, unimaginable horrors, really. Director Tatiano Huezo fuses fiction and documentary techniques to depict this whole town in fear and enthralled to the cartels and caught in the economic and physical war on drugs where government planes fly overhead and squirt them with a sort of cloud of poison, even as they work in the poppy fields, which is their only income, really. So we see these quarry mines being exploded and the young kids working in them. We see the hiding places, like sort of shallow graves that the mothers have dug out the back of their houses in the jungle where the girls must hide whenever the cartels storm into town. We see houses left empty. We see schools in the grip of gangsters and the idealism of teachers. And we see eerie scenes of townsfolk perched on these verdant hillsides, lining up for what we don't know what they are, but they're brief moments of catching mobile phone reception. But the main story is with the girls we saw getting their hair cuts, and it does skip forward to when they're teenagers, and we hear tales of survival and friendship. That's the drama of Prayers for the Stolen. It's produced by the team behind Roma, and it's in some cinemas now, and then on Mubi at the end of the month, and it's a really strong slice of Latin American movie making. Also out now is One of These Days, a singular indie film from the South of America, set around a gruelling endurance competition in Texas, wherein contestants have to keep one hand on a shiny new truck for as long as they can. They get little breaks, but you're not allowed to go to sleep uh, until the last man or woman standing wins the vehicle. It's based on a true story of this annual rather gruesome competition and set around the day it all went wrong. It stars, perhaps surprisingly, Joe Cole, the star of Peaky Blinders and uh, Thai boxing film A Prayer Before Dawn and The Ipcrest File, currently on ITV. 
And I was down at the film's premiere at the Everyman Borough Yards to welcome Joe Cole for an exclusive Q&A organised by thrusting new film company Studio Soho Distribution. And in front of a lively crowd, I began by asking Joe about shooting on location, understanding the local people and the place, and of course, getting the accent right. We actually filmed in Louisiana, and we were out there for about three months. You know, very quickly realised with, with a film like this, it's about kind of embodying the spirit of these people as much as possible. And I was the only Brit in the film, everybody else is from the area. So I turned up and I, I realised very quickly I need to like slip into this as much as possible. So stayed in the accent, kind of hung out in the bars, hung out in the kind of parking lots and don't ask what I was getting up to. <laughs> and uh, I just tried to kind of immerse myself in the culture as much as possible. You know, so. what, what's, what is it What is it like, that that sort of culture? Because it's obviously an extraordinary competition. That there, It was a real-life competition, this hands-on thing, that went on for 50, 20 years before the events, the sort of true events of what happened to yours. How much did you know about it? when you arrived, when you got in there, how much did you have to find out more about the, the, the whole concept? Yeah, well, it's like, it's mad because it's a real competition. You know, it was around for a long, long time. They made an incredible documentary about it that I watched. Did and, you see that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, it's like when you start to unwrap like this stuff that goes on, it's just absolutely bizarre. And our film is an amalgamation of a few different stories, like what happens to Carl, that, that, that's true, you know, that happened to, to a dude who, you know, a young guy who had a kid wanted to sort of win something for his family and provide for his family and be the man, quote unquote man in the, in the, in the sort of rural area of Texas. And it's just absolutely fucking bonkers, like, that, that, that this, this stuff goes on, you know, so it was, it was a lot of fun just sort of getting, figuring that out, really. It's quite interesting when you watch the film, because for a while you don't quite know where this film's going to go and what this film's about. You know, there's this competition, you're not even sure who who the main character is. You know, the, I know it's you, because I was like, it was Joe Cole. And we were doing the Q&A with him, so he's got to be the main character in this somehow. But quite a lot of the time, you're like, oh, is it, is it Carrie Preston? Is it going to be this guy? Where's the sort of, it's like past the parcel, where's it going to fall? Yeah. Like even the that. even the dude like the twin thing that's actually a, that's such a real thing. Is it? Yeah, and like there was these guys that would go they'd go around to all different parts of the states. They would go and they would just win every competition, and nobody knew how they were doing it. And then basically somebody found out that one of them had a, they had a twin. <laughs> it's just like, but it's so brilliantly done. It's suddenly like what? That's that, they've yeah. just done that. Of course they've done that. And then what I love about the film is that that's not even really. The main twist. You think that's the twist, and that could be it, but it actually it gets weirder and weirder on on top of that. So you, you'd obviously read the script, but did you know what the, the director was going to do in terms of like sharing all this? You know, he was circling with his camera, which face it was going to fall on, who he's going to pick out from the crowd. Yeah, it was very much an ensemble thing, and and we all spent a fair bit of time rehearsing and get you know getting to know each other, um, and then just being being around that truck for weeks on end. You know, <laughs> mad heat and humidity there is a sort of a movie which there's a movie called they shoot horses don't they which Sidney Pollock made in 1968 about these dance-a-thons that they used to have in the in the sort of depression of America when he would dance and dance for days until someone fell down you know so they actually couldn't dance anymore uh, and it remind it reminded me of that uh, that sort of depression era era movie that well, this is what this is about this 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 clinging to some hope and life yeah they shoot, we, that was a big reference, they oh, shoot yeah. horses, don't they? And it's just like, yeah, it, it, it's just an amazing concept, isn't it? It's like this whole, you know, it's the American dream. It's this idea of like 
you know, if you win this big shiny thing, you're going to be happy. And uh, and all you've got to do is just stand next to the truck. You handle this. It's, it's easy, right? You know, you get into the nitty gritty and you realise it's it's completely traumatic for a human being. Y'all call me when something happens and I'm not on site. Okay, any time of the day or night, you can call Joe. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Store that. Press safe. <laughs> Okay, uh, once again, y'all, when that buzzer sounds, y'all have one, I repeat, hey, y'all have, you listening? Y'all have one, one minute to get back to the truck. Okay, you got that? Yes, sir. Okay, y'all ready? Y'all have some fun? Let's do this thing. Game begins. We're gonna be here all the way. Report not to the bitter end. I'm fixing to go 100 hours, Walter. Anyway, get ready for 120. <laughs> yeah, sure, wacko. One of these days is in cinemas and on digital now on Curzon Home Cinema and Indie Plus. Uh, for tickets and access, why don't you just go to uh, studiosohodistribution.com and you can find out how to get hold of all of their movies. Uh, the Ipcrest file is on ITV Hub and Joe Cole is in both. Just cutting down a massive tree outside my house. <laughs> you can might just hear it like buzzing. I mean, they could literally cut the whole... It was an enormous thing and they've cut the whole trunk down. So if that's buzzing in the background, I apologise, but uh, we've got to get this done. So let's carry on. My next guest is Alexis Zegerman. She's starred for Mike Lee in Happy Go Lucky and on stage in his play 2000 Years. But she's also become an in-demand playwright and screenwriter. Her latest work is The Fever Syndrome, and it's just opened at the Hampstead Theatre in North London, with a great cast who will gather in a Manhattan brownstone, great set actually, uh, to celebrate their Scientist Father's Lifetime Achievement Award for work in IVF. He's made hundreds of babies, but his own children, well, it seems you can't control how they grow up and turn out, and how they get along, or don't. So when I spoke to Alexis Zegerman after my night at the theatre, I asked her why she, very much a London woman, chose to write a big, juicy, classically American kind of play. I'm married to an American, don't judge me. And uh, and we've spent a lot of time in America. My kids are American. In fact, I think it's probably true to say I spend a lot of my time outnumbered by Americans. Um <laughs> And uh, so and, and, and quite a large number of my side of the family also, you know, some got on the boat and ended up in, in, in Britain. Um, some ended up in, in America and some ended up in Shanghai. Not entirely sure how that happened. Wow. But that was just the boats they got on. There are Zegermans so, yeah. in Shanghai. <laughs> there were. Yes. I think it was pronounced Sagerman in Shanghai. It was a difficult Z. <laughs> Fantastic. I didn't know. This is very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, you're going to write from a female perspective because um, look at your hair, you're female. Um, <laughs> that, that, is that just, you, you just have to allow that to naturally come through because that's going to be your lens. That's where you're going to be viewing it from. Or did you think like, I've got to put a, a feminist take on the, on the, those great big, you know, male, male writers or you just trust it's going to come out. And if so, where does it come out? I mean, there's obviously there's a, a very key lead uh, performance from there's, there's four quite key female characters in there. 
Well, I think I think that's I think that's right. I think that's my point of reference is undoubtedly female. It is quite I mean, because of the structure and the history um, and the canon that goes on before it, it is a very male genre. But and I certainly want to be the sort of writer that writes incredibly well-rounded female characters that have amazing objectives, strong through lines. Um, that's not to say that obviously Tennessee Williams, he, he did that too. He did it all right. Um, yeah. yeah, he did it, he did it brilliantly well. But, um, you know, th- these are women that have their, you know, very much hopefully in my play have their own agency. And I, and I, and I hope I do that with men too. Yeah, I, mean, I think I, I think so. I mean, it just seemed to be about the, a battle for control, control over your family, control over science, control over nature, mm. and then some things that you can't control. So the th- thematically... Well, everything's swishing around with all these characters over dinner or in the, in, in this, this great brownstone uh, house, um, like the Tenenbaums. It's, um, yeah. There's a sort of dysfunctionality and yet there's this family dynamic that's coming together. I thought it was all that those pulses of energy shot right through the play. And I, I was kind of, you know, transfixed watching it like pinballing around this set. It was it was it, it's really terrific writing, Alexis. Oh, thank you. I'm so pleased you got that. Absolutely. I think the thing comes out that comes out at the end is, is, is that we, you know, humanity sort of has to learn the things that we, they can control and let go of the stuff that you, you can't. Yeah. That's a big, that's a big thing for, um, for artistic uh, creation as well, I suppose, like a writer in the play. I mean, you, you give it up to the, the director, Roxana Zilbert, and you give it up to the production designer, and then the actors take your words and do their own stuff with it. Absolutely. It's probably like a note to self, if anything, <laughs> you know. There's no such thing as a perfect piece of art. At some point, you just have to let it go. Where did you start with the idea? Was it just, let's get a family around a table? I mean, that's something that you probably do in your own family quite enough. And, <laughs> yeah, and you've done, I don't... It, you've done yeah, it yourself on stage. I saw you in, in, in Mike Lee's 2000 Years. Of course, you did the same thing there, but that was in North London. I, mean, I have to say, my, my family is quite small and not as, as, as sort of high-functioning, dysfunctional as the as Or high-achieving, I hope. Or high-achieving, exactly. <laughs> Apart from you, obviously. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, 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 I wanted to write a big epic family drama and I wanted it to have science at its heart. So that is so that was the canvas I knew I wanted to use. And then the characters all came out of that idea. And I think, you know, you mentioned Mike Lee, but I think one of the joys of having worked with Mike is that his sort of ruthless pursuit of truth and character, I think, is what really is. And story coming out of that rather than you have a story and everything else has to fit into it. So I, I, I've definitely taken a lot of what I've learned from working with him and hope that each character, you know, has has a truth a truth to them and their story plays out. There's a life in absolutely every single person on that stage. That's, yeah, you know, I did. But... I mean, forgive me for thinking of the connection with you and Mike Lee. I was with Mike Lee at uh, Jewish Book Week on stage just a couple of weeks ago. And and we'll, we'll play that interview on the show uh, in a few weeks' time. But um, I did talk to him about his his alumni, if you like, the, the graduates of the Mike Lee School, which go... I'm not just talking about the, the you know the, the the Tim Roths and the Gary Oldmans and that generation, but I'm talking about the that even the younger ones, which I'm including you and Sally Hawkins, who's just brilliant in Phantom of the Open at the moment, and Zeddy Marzen, who's terrific at the moment in everything. But there's you, uh, you know, writing. Claire Rushbrook was on the sh- on the show just the other oh, week yeah. uh, from Mally and Ava, uh, which is and amazing. I, yeah. it, was, it was kind of amazing what's 
happened to those people who've gone through that process with Mike and I mean Danny Mays as well there's yeah the... and Nonzo Anosi's yes. just been uh, nominated for a BAFTA yeah of a TV BAFTA yeah he's incredible so there's something that comes from that that time that you spend like you've just enumerated it brilliantly there that truth that seeking for truth there's something that comes from the, that, that comes out in writers and actors from you know from having worked with Mike that that, that time that you spend is people will say how do you do that six months rehearsal well, it, it kind of sets you up for life in some sort of way I think that's right it's sort of like a, a sort of amazing training ground I mean it's a gift it, I have to say as a as a performer and as a writer, it has it, it was a gift to me, like spending that time and then going on to do Happy Go Lucky with him. And and you know, then going on to watch his work subsequently going back going back and looking at his back catalogue, knowing how he possibly got to those places with those actors. It's just it's 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 uh, it is a sort of toolbox gift, mm-hmm. I think. That he that he leads you with. Do you when you're sitting there writing, you may be stuck. I suggest that you might get stuck at some point. I hope, I hope you do. I hope it doesn't just. Like <laughs> what do you mean the out. creative juices are always flowing? <laughs> do you think hmm, what would Mike do? What would Mike say? Were there moments that that you you actually kind of have his his technique or his voice or some lessons that you've learned that jolt you? I might just counter that in that obviously what Mike does is have an, he 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 gets a, these actors in a room and can create. He may have an idea for it. I mean, I'm sure he, he comes with the an idea, but then the story is created around him. I think I think if I am ever worried about what happens next, I just let the character lead me because that is what happens next. Because normally as a person, you know, you make you 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 get under that character's skin and you decide. You, they make a decision in that moment. It's the only decision that they could make. So Alexis Segerman, brilliant playwright. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure you must be writing film scripts as well while, while, while you're at it. I mean, slower. Oh, pro- I am. Well, is, there much, <laughs> is it much slower process? I mean, when you write a play, you can get it up there quicker. Is, that, is it a much easier sort of production Oh, do you process? know, it's it's six of one and half a dozen of the other because obviously I, I have written, a, a, written a, a, a number of commissioned film scripts. I feel very blessed that I've done that both here and in the States. They're all in that uh, sort of holding pattern in the air of <laughs> haven't quite made it. They're all they're all in the tra- air traffic control, waiting to land. Some are with directors, very exciting directors. You know, some are being packaged. Nothing ha- other than short films have been made yet, but I feel very blessed. And uh, and you know, and and You're as not my grandmother, you work bloody hard to do it. Oh, thanks, thanks. Yeah. Well, as my grandmother, who's still with us, age ninety eight, always asked me, "Are they paying you?" Because obviously, for a very long time, I I did this job whilst you know waitressing and working in an estate agent so yes grandma they are paying me to write movies now now the next step is for somebody to make it so. yeah well it, that it, honestly that's the first it really is the big a big step isn't it? it's fantastic i'm so delighted for you and it's there i mean it's all there i can't wait to see what happens maybe Thank we'll you. work together on one very soon oh jason Let's i would love that it. oh i would love that <laughs> well uh, well tell me then have you seen any good films lately i'm going to switch you out of the theater oh. have you got have you had time to watch anything do you know what? This uh, there is um, a new Curzon cinema has opened up in Hawley Wharf, around the corner from where I live in Camden, underneath the railway arches. Yes. Do you know about I this went, cinema? I went to the opening of it. Yeah. Oh my God, Jason! I can't tell you what an absolute pleasure it is a to have a cinema at the end of my street in Camden, but the beautiful Curzon cinemas under the railway arches. Because um, oh, so yes, you live, I... we should stress, you live almost where your character lived in Happy Go Lucky. 
Absolutely. Yes. Literally could roll out of bed. Where was my beautiful car every morning to come pick me up? I didn't need one. Mike was like, well, you know, you can walk, you walk to set at three in the morning. So I, I have been going to the cinema every chance I get. Wow. It's I mean, We're talking about these little, they're almost like private screening rooms in, in, in an arch. There's sort of four or five of them, I think, maybe six. They're all in these little, little rooms underneath the arch. I think that's they're... right. They, 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 what they've done is they've, they've soundproofed them. And mm. so you're, you're sitting in a box and then there are three rows and like you say, it's sort of like a private screening, which is phenomenal. And um, I went to go and see um, The Humans. Do you know what? That's what Stephen I saw Krem. there. You're kidding. And I, I... Ne- and I never seen it and I didn't know yes. it as a play. And then I was at your yeah. theatre last night and there on the wall is the sort of productions that they've had previously. And Humans is one of them. I know. It came over the, 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 the New York um, Off-Broadway and Broadway production came over to the Hamsters, which is, I just thought, it's such a beautiful play. I couldn't wait to see it in the cinema. Stephen Kramoff directed it. And there is, it, I mean, I just loved it. I thought all the performances were brilliant. I loved the writing on it. And, um, Starring Oscar, because, Oscar host Amy Schumer, isn't it? Yes, exactly. And, um, and, and then, because you've got the trains going overhead, you can't hear them because you're in a soundproof box, but you can feel them. So it sort of adds to the psychodrama of the uh, of the movie. Because <laughs> well, it's, it's in a little, you know, Manhattan imp- apartment that's a bit rickety and you can imagine the A train going past the window anyway. Exactly. So I sort of felt sort of vaguely interactive, yeah. for, you know, for your 15 quid or whatever it was. <laughs> so, so I absolutely loved, I absolutely loved seeing that there. And I also watched... Um, Parallel Mothers quite recently, which I just thought was the most beautiful film. Isn't it great? Absolutely stunning. I mean, it had everything you want from Alma Dovar film, didn't it? It had, you know, the Donya Rosita, the spinster, um, Lorcan references, Penelope Cruz, this sort of, you know, mel- melodrama, um, Civil War history. It just had absolutely everything and just uh, just most beautiful acting as well. Wasn't so- it? Yeah, and, and stylized and different. And you said it, everything you want from an Almodovar. And and then a little bit more, because I don't think he's ever done... I've never seen any Spanish film. I can really dig down into the Civil War history and the trauma that's in the earth. I think that's... Well, that's it, and it really did dig, didn't it? And I sort of thought, gosh, how is he going to thread that? Because it opens with that storyline, yeah. doesn't it? I thought, how are you going to thread this through? And that is actually also about DNA in a way, yes, isn't it? Because that's how much. they trace. Yeah. But it's that um, collective trauma that's carried through from the from the horrors of the civil war and and how that carries through generations um and yeah, I, so I very much thought... thematically chiming with your work both of those thematically <laughs> <chiming>. <laughs> yeah it, yeah nice link in there and yeah. um, so uh, yeah so i just i just absolutely sort of enjoyed not not just seeing those brilliant movies but the experience of being in that in those in those beautiful art house uh, lovely arches, i love know. the way you're combining all my questions into sort of one, <laughs> one ball do you watch rubbish telly anytime do you, do oh you... my god are you kidding i absolutely love rubbish telly. in fact my my husband's a war correspondent so i have to sort of watch it on a phone under a duvet in a sort of dirty fashion but um i i selling sunset are you aware of this i, I was recommended selling sunset by someone on the show once 
<laughs> absolute brain rot and I love it I just can't get it it's sort of real estate it's like right move equals you know the Kardashians yeah and you know you put those together and it's just crazy like when I've had a really hard writing day just coming back and letting that wash over me is rather brilliant and also bad vegan is the other sort of trash oh I don't know bad vegan. Of, oh, bad vegan is a documentary it's the same people that made the fire festival mm-hmm. documentary I saw that and look, it's it's got a very serious sort of story at its heart. It's about this brilliant restaurateur who who opened ba- a bad vegan restaurant in Manhattan, and how she was gaslit by this um, gambler um, who stole millions of dollars from her, and wow. her, you know, she ended up on the run um, and then in prison for federal crimes. Are you crimes. a vegan? Um, I I wish I were. I've tried to become. I'm I'm a bad vegan. <laughs> In, in that I'm not very good at it. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> but I, I I would love to be that uh, documentary, um, the David Attenborough documentary that was on during lockdown about how we're all killing the planet. Maybe yeah. I never want to eat meat again. It's funny so. when you have kids as well. Then they take these, you know, you show them that, and they t- they take message. One of mine doesn't really like meat anymore. Although yeah. one, of, one of mine just absolutely loves it. So, so <laughs> what can you do? What are you going to do? <laughs> one, some some days on and some days off. That's what well. That's it. Frozen <laughs> fish finger. Anybody? Uh, <laughs> what um? What's the first film you ever saw? I think it was Victor Victoria, because um yes I know um I think it was just it was what happened it to was Dumbo. A, I know what happened to Dumbo. Well, I think it was one of those things where. Um, my mum, t- I always watched slightly inappropriate movies when I was younger. Didn't didn't do me any harm. And um, and um, I apparently shouted out when it started, "Oh, that's Mary Poppins!" Um, so you know that that was my that was my memory of her. I remember being brilliant. I mean, she she sings in Victor Victoria. She sings so. in Victor Victoria. She's great, great. It's Blake Edwards as well directing. So there is a sort of connection you with you know. I felt comedy. that even aged four or whatever I was. <laughs> I remember it being a very powerful thing. It was like, is it, it was one that, uh, well, I don't think there was a question whether we were allowed to see it. I know my mum and dad had it. Maybe they rented it on VHS or something. And it was like, oh, it stars, you know, Judy Andrews from Sound of Music. And, and Mary, <laughs> you're right, Mary Poppins. So I did think maybe we should see that. But it's a rather different. Very powerful film. Very powerful film. There's a lot, you know, I mean, maybe we're right for a remake. Because you know, that was gender fluid before anyone had died. It was even before like Tootsie or whatever, I think. Absolutely. I, I, gosh, I feel a rewritten musical coming along. Well, well, maybe that's what we're going to collab on. Yes, that's it. <laughs> we found it, Jason. <laughs> Let's do the show right here, Mickey yes. and Judy. <laughs> Is there a film that changed your life that actually set you on the path to where you are now? That was Kramer versus Kramer. Mm. I, rem- I, again, saw that at a deeply inappropriately young age. But I... Um, my parents go, were going through a, a, a difficult marriage and then an acrimonious divorce. Oh, wow. And I remember watching it, thinking it was so truthful. How could these people be acting and saying words that I didn't understand that they were on a piece of paper, but I did understand what a film was, that it yeah. was it was not reality. And I just thought, and it made me cry, and I at that very young age related to the boy in the movie well he was extraordinary wasn't he that, he was extraordinary I'm, just trying to remember, I'm looking it up as i've told you and trying to remember his name because i think he got a, oh, good. an oscar nomination did he well, like I, well quite quite right and um but also at that age seeing you know your sympathy lies with 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 dustin hoffman and i also remember my sympathy even at that age lying with meryl streep 
even though she was the mother that walked away. I somehow had found in that movie an understanding of adult behavior, which was sort of sort of well beyond because it was just so beautifully created in that film. And I think that I think when you're when we're talking about the play that I've just written and the way that I go about, you know, loving work that I love, it's because it allows you everybody's perspective in the movie. Justin Henry is the child's right. name, who was uh, nominated for the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor at the age of eight. Oh, for goodness sake, it just makes you sick. <laughs> well, I mean, um, but then they don't carry on, and now he's a businessman or something. I think he's... Well, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, yeah. Well, that's a good one. Quite, quite right, too, yeah, probably. <laughs> There's no business in show business, Jason, just remember that. Um, so... Good note, thanks. Yes. You can stop giving notes. You don't give notes to your cars, not to me. <laughs> I'll take it. I wouldn't tell them that. It's demotivating. <laughs> um, so, um, so, so, yeah, so Kramer versus Kramer for all those reasons. Do you have a film poster on your wall? I don't have a film poster on my wall. I do have a very large Happy Go Lucky poster, which is very bright pink with Sally Hawkins across it, and I love it, and it's framed. I just can't find a... I need to buy a bigger house, basically. <laughs> selling Sunset, <laughs> that'll give you one. What are they? I just need to be in Selling Sunset. <laughs> I know the picture with her with those those hands like that. the hands the hands out Kimbo yeah and is it signed by Sally it isn't but you know what I should get her to sign it I should get Mike to sign it and Eddie and maybe them. me yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just little at the bottom I'll charge myself hasn't it got little, little pictures of the, the rest of the cast underneath I think from that picture I'm trying to remember yes. the film post I think that you might be in that I was my name's definitely on the poster. I, that's why I, you know, one of the reasons I've yeah. just incredibly, pr- incredibly proud moment in my in my career. But you know, um, and I, uh, but um, but yeah, there's no patch of wall that can handle it right now. Yeah, <laughs> they are big. <laughs> I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever fallen in love at the movies, Alexis? Yeah, so I, I, I mean, w- w- when watching The Outsiders. I fell in love with every single person in that film. Um, that's probably not the answer you were looking it is, for. I, it's an open-ended question, as I always <laughs> say. You know, you can fall in love with absolutely with Matt Dillon, um, with all, all of them. All of them. You know, it's that gorgeous '80s Brat Pack. Diane um, Lane is in that. Who I've definitely fallen in love with. Well, there you go. About so, four or five for times. In that. <laughs> yeah. And um, and you know, and 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 Ralph Macchio mm-hmm. having a having his comeback now. Isn't he? All of them, yeah. He, he actually uh, looks fairly similar, still. Yeah, <laughs> he does. It's kind of shocking. Um, so, 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 yes. I mean, I can't think of of of, of sort of other of, of like real life people. I have had a terribly bad date at the movies, which I remember it sort of scarred me. It was to go and see Hannibal on Valentine's Day at the Everyman in Hampstead. Uh, I mean, not 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 really a date night movie. It could have been very fun. Anyway, um, there's nothing against Anthony Hopkins. They were all doing a brilliant job. Uh, I think you choose your choose your date movies a little more, more carefully. Yeah, I think that's right. Choose them wisely. Uh, I would go and see The Worst Person in the World, by the way, for a date movie at the moment. It's the one I recommend. Oh, great. Fantastic great. film, The Worst Person Fantastic. in the World, with a great performance from Renata Raines in the lead. Uh, is there a, um, a set, if I could give you the gift of time travel, to go back to any movie being made and plonk you there, see a performance, see a director at work, see an actor at work that you would go to and sit there and be part of that and just, just fly on the wall of yourself? This is very highbrow. But I'm going to say Dirty Dancing. There is, 
<laughs> I'm sorry, you've probably had all sorts of that. I mean, you know, and, you know I, what? and I like to think... Like... People aren't as... You know, some people sort of, oh, yes, I don't think Tarkovsky's stalker, I'd be in the, in the puddle in the zone. But no, people don't. You know, people do want to go see... Lots of people want to go see Billy Wilder in action, yep. uh, which I completely understand as well. But uh, no, no one's ever gone, wanted to go to 1950s summer camp. Yeah, look, there was. there's lots about the 1950s that we could quite easily leave behind. I mean, you know, just look at the you know that you know there was no pro-choice for a start yeah. back in those days that's where the whole trouble starts in the movie but um i think there was a one woman girl of my generation that didn't want to be jennifer gray mm. in that movie and also i think patrick swayze was a great loss the loss of patrick swayze and actually and was in the outsiders you see look at look at the great range of movies that i love from my childhood <laughs> people the things with patrick swayze in yeah <laughs> yeah basically the films of the the oeuvre of patrick swayze um, and so there's a there's a connection there's a nice jewish girl sort of and yes. he's the sort of you know, yeah yeah threatening macho presence i think what is so brilliant about that film and where and and sort of where i hope my work can go is that it's it's a it's a it's a romance and and we have forgotten about you know, romantic comedy is, is is sort of like it a lot of people put that phrase down so maybe if you take the comedy off of the end and you're not always looking for those i think there have been some like la la land it's a beautiful romance film. film it's a great film and i i want more of that and i think audiences want more of that we haven't been making films like that and i'm i'm pleased that people are starting to realize i get approached a lot by producers saying oh we'd love another rom in a romantic movie of course you've got to have some edge now romance means different things there's different um relationships and ways of doing that but it's um i want romance that's what i love those yeah, i love the all? warmth of it no i do but i think yeah. in the movies i think that's what we miss i think we don't get it certainly in telly anymore and i think that's where the movies have a sort of point of difference is that they can sweep you up into a romance and it doesn't have to be epic in the sort of david lean way it can be epic of the heart or epic of the head and you can just get swept up i think that's why coda won because i think it's really romantic i think that's absolutely right i think people want hope you know and i think that's what these romantic movies romance gives you is is a, a sense of life continuing with hope and that is what coda gives you and um and, and, and i agree i think more more of that please. what's your favorite screen musical moment it doesn't have to be from a musical but it can be just no. a moment and you can't have dirty dancing again no, I'm not having dirty dancing again. I'm going to leave. Okay, there's two. There's two. Um, one has to be Rosie Perez dancing in the opening of Do the Right Thing to oh, Fight the Power. Great choice. I mean, it's just such a powerful, I mean, it is powerful, feminist. And, you know, just it just has all the ingredients of sort of summing up what that film is. And I just, I could, I could watch that opening on a loop. Can you do that really dance? Could. I've tried to nearly put my back out, um, but um, I, I, I really do think it's 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 a, it's a, it's, a, it's a wonderful, impactful movie moment. It's a absolute. I mean, it's one of the key movies for me, and I I, I sometimes forget about that. I, I love that track. It's one of the key music tracks of my life. Um, but it's actually the Rosie Perez dance that actually makes it because, as you say, it's so powerful. It's sweaty. It's hot. It picks up the the atmosphere. Because Absolutely. we know how hot it is in that room, but we see the power that she's got. Brilliant yeah. choice. 
Yeah. And then um, and then um, I have to say Hugh Grant um, as Phoenix Buchanan tap dancing in prison to Rain on the Roof. <laughs> um, I happen to think that is one of the best movies of all time, Paddington 2. And his, uh, one of his greatest performances. I think How so. he wasn't showered with Oscars, I don't know. Well, we had Simon Farnaby on the show just a couple of weeks ago who wrote Paddington 2. Yes. And has now done Phantom of the Open with your friend Sally Hawkins. Yes. And um, it has the same warmth that Paddington 2 has, I think. Uh, I think it's brilliant. Well, it is officially one of the great films of all time. It, it, it was not Citizen Kane off the top of the charts, did it not? <laughs> it's genius. It's 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 absolutely genius. It's, yeah. It really... And, and, you know, Ben Whishaw just absolutely... Um, phenomenal Paddington Bear. Do you know who the voice of Paddington Bear is um, when it was released in Ukraine? Yes. Yes, I do. It's the great Zelensky. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I sort of wondered if that was a Twitter joke until until I, you know, had to double check. How, how amazing is that? How wonderful. Isn't it? And I think that, that might be the, the sort of key weapon because Paddington sort of defeats everyone somehow. He's disarming. Yeah, I think Isn't he that's disarming? My... And that's what he's doing. He's hopefully disarming everyone. Disarming. I, th- I really wish we could overthrow Putin with marmalade sandwiches. That... <laughs> <laughs> brought low. I'd love to see it. Yes, yeah. Uh, Alexis, what, what a joy talking to you. I'm just going to finish off with one question to you. You yeah. mentioned that great cinema that you go to now, the new one in Camden. Mm, mm. Have you, what's the best screening you've ever been to? Because you've been through the process as well as it's sort of been in things. And I, I'm going to expand it as well because you're such a theatre person as well. So maybe you've been to some great theatrical moments as well. What, 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 what's been contained in some of those great Ooh. buildings for you? Again, I think I've got a slightly two-part answer to this. The first one is is I went to a, I was in a film that was, that was in the... Um, the BFI at film, the London Film Festival. It was a, pr- a movie that I was really, really proud of. I, it was filmed in Germany by Hans Christian Schmidt, directing and writing, um, and um, called Sturm. And there were just there was it, it was wonderful to sort of be a at a festival where my you know where where a film was opening, but also to it was it was meant a big deal to me going back and working in well going going to Germany and working there. I've since put in for my German citizenship. I'm reclaiming my German citizenship through my grandmother who lost it when the National Socialists came to power oh, wow. as a as a as a Jewish Do you speak woman. German? I don't, but I didn't have to in order to get to thank goodness, but I, I will learn. And um, I just had such a wonderful time in, in Germany with these wonderful people, the crew and the cast. And uh, it, that meant a lot to me, that film. It really did put me on the journey of sort of going back and understanding my roots. I think. Wonderful. So, sure. yeah, I so didn't, was... I'm afraid I didn't see it. Go. You probably I mean, go. Me I didn't just, didn't I? Yeah, probably, terrible. Jason. Thanks for Damn. that. Um, and then, and then I have to say, an, a, another place that really meant a lot to go and watch a movie was at the Arclight Cinema in Hollywood. And um, I went to go and see Every Little Step, which is a sort of behind-the-scenes documentary of um, of the audition process for, for putting on. Um, oh gosh, what's the, a chorus line? Yeah, of course, Broadway. Every Little Step You Take. Yeah, I, I, and it was I was I was there during pilot season, and oh god, it's such a difficult place for an actor if you're not if you're not working if you're trying to work. And um, this was just when Happy Go Lucky had come out, and uh, you know I'd been to the Golden Globes, and I just I just loved the inside view of what that audition process is. How fabulous! So, Great answer yeah. for chorus line. I had never had chorus line before, and then only last week Nicole Lecky, who I think is being amazing in mood 
our yeah. BBC Three. But she picked a, a chorus line, "Singular Sensation," ah, oh, uh, as wow. one of her musical moments. So amazing that you've kind of joined that in with the arc light. In uh, oh, yeah, great. That's cinema. what I'm here for. Joining dots. Is yeah, the arc light still there? Yeah. Didn't that just did the arc light not close over COVID? I don't know if it did. Yeah, or they saved it closed. It. I think it's been bought out. I don't know. I don't know if a chains bought it. I mean, I just hope it doesn't turn into like a a, a, a bowling alley. I don't it, know. I just. You know, you want it to stay a cinema. Don't we want you? these great spaces. We, they're, they're, they're so important to us. As you they're see, so theatrical, you know, going yeah. to the theatre to see your play in that great space, I think it really, you know, the buildings, you know, they have they have something in the walls there, and they, they have they the do. pattern it's of everything a, else. Absolutely, it's all about it's about community, isn't it? Yeah. About the, a communal offering. Alexis, um, brilliant answers in the film space. I mean, I should oh, do a theatre podcast as well because you, you would learn me so much more about the theatre. <laughs> your play is it's it's on already, but it's not officially yeah. open yet. I did I saw I saw pre, I technically saw a preview, didn't I? So a late polished, preview, very polished yeah. it was. Oh, thanks. Yeah, we're, and we, we we're opening on uh, for press night on Monday the fourth of April, and it runs until the thirtieth of April. Get your tickets. Get your tickets. But there could be an afterlife for it as well. Go well, fingers crossed. Listen, it's yeah. a, a really terrific play. It's, I've even got, I think I'm delving into my bag here. I've even got the play here. <gasps> what you wrote. Did you buy the play text? Play Someone give it to you. To oh, that's wonderful. Look at that. That's brilliant. I'm going to get two pence for you buying that. So thank you. <laughs> well, My I wanted. mean, with with joy because you know, and I've had a, I've started reading it as well, and it's a it's a bit of a gripping read as well. Um, and uh, you know how how exciting it must be to have it sort of bound and put down, and then it's come out as a as a as a text. You know, and people will study it in schools and GCSE, and you'll be paid forevermore, and your grandma will be delighted. Oh, she'll be thrilled. Um, thank you so much, Jason. Thanks, thanks for that. Thanks for coming on the show, Alexis Segment, and great best of luck with the Fever Syndrome. Really terrific, terrific play. Really enjoyed it, and brilliantly written. Thank you so much. You take care. And the Fever Syndrome by Alexis Zegerman is on until April the 30th at the Hampstead Theatre. That's it for seeing any good films lately, or cut down any big trees lately, as it's called today. My thanks to Joe Cole, to Studio Soho, to Hampstead Theatre and to Alexis Zegerman, and of course to Kate Dawkins for putting it all together so beautifully. All I have to do now is pick some exit music. And this is from a new documentary called Ennio, about Il Maestro, Ennio Morricone, the famed composer. Uh, The documentary is an exhaustive look at his life and his music, and there's so much majesty to choose from, with so many great contributors from Clint Eastwood to Roland Joffe uh, to Quentin Tarantino. Just great people, uh, and loads of Italians, (laughs) from singers uh, to the people who kind of were at the conservatory with... um, with Ennio when he was a kid. We've got music from A Fistful of Dollars to The Mission, uh, Cinema Paradiso, Casualties of War for Brian De Palma, The Hateful Eight for Tarantino, just so many hits. Uh, The one I've chosen has got it all. The trumpets, the vocals, the guitars, the effects, the classic status. It's just too good, bad and ugly to ignore. Ciao. (laughs) 